Welcome to Pair at the Point, the Pittsburgh Penguins podcast of the Faceoff Hockey Network. Follow us on Twitter at Pair at the Point and at the FHN. Visit thefhn.net for daily hockey articles and casts. Good to have you back. We're going to discuss uh, some further Penguins news from the summer. Uh, things have obviously slowed down quite a bit, so we don't have a ton to talk about today. First on the agenda, of course, is the recent news that Mike Lang has officially retired. He had taken a step back during the COVID-shortened season, and the year prior, even, he had uh, reduced the number of games he was doing on radio. However, it's going to be sad not to have him in the booth at all going forward. He announced all five cup wins, and countless memories of mine are attached with his voice. Uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, all-time great. Um, definitely will be missed. Uh, we wish him well in his retirement. All right, so we are going to talk a little bit about Hextall and Burke and how they have done so far and our, our thoughts on, you know, if they were the right hire for our current team and what we're trying to do in, in the next coming years. So in your opinion... Do you think Hextall was the right man for the job based off of what has gone down in the last couple of months? I think, I, I hate to be indecisive here, but I, the more that I've mulled this over in my brain, the more I think it's still too early to tell. However, early signs for me aren't all that promising. I, I think he's playing it very, very safe. He isn't going after uh, big names in free agency, which we knew we couldn't, but... It does seem like we've downgraded. doesn't seem like we're really in a win-now mode. I know that he was hired to be conservative, to really rebuild the prospect pool, keep the team competitive going forward. However, we really are in crunch time in terms of trying to compete for another championship. So it's hard as a fan to not be a little disheartened after this summer. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And I think the hardest part of it is well there's there's kind of two points here one it's such a big change from Rutherford the like doing everything to doing nothing is kind of whiplash I think for for us as fans so in one in one note I'm happy that we have kept the team together for the most part and, you know, it's not a completely different locker room than it was the last last season. But um, for the other, the other note, I think that we need someone somewhat aggressive for our window to not be closed. And do I think JR was too aggressive? Yes, I think most people probably think that. But I don't think we can sit around and hope the team is good enough when Sid is 34 and Malkin is 35. So I think the philosophy that's coming into play here, and this is kind of hard to say because you still have Sid on the team, is is that they're they're giving Crosby, Malkin, and Latang a puncher's chance, but not really going to go out of their way to do much more. So if they go into this season and they overperform, Maybe they'd go and get somebody at the deadline. But if they just are straggling by and 
limp their way into a playoff position or are on the bubble on the outside, then they're not going to, you know, go and waste assets. So maybe their thoughts are we're not a contender. We're not an up we're not a top tier contender anymore. And to be totally honest, they're not. So we should act with a load of caution. And if the if the stars then carry their weight and really push this team to uh, back into the competitive arena, then we'll go and, and pay a price. But can you say we're not really a top-tier team when we just won our division a few months ago? I think so. I think because, like, in a shortened season, yes, we won a division, but it was barely. And look at our last three playoffs, first-round exits. So, you know, are we a top-tier team? I would say no. I mean, we... We definitely took strides in the right direction last season. So I don't think it's time to throw in the towel, and I don't think they are. But I also think they're they're trying to be realistic about this, and as hard as it is for fans to realize this, our window, for all intents and purposes, is largely closed. It's going to take a Herculean effort from Crosby, Malk, and Latang to have another run. It really will. Because they're they're well on the wrong side of thirty at this point. So, and this comes back to the first conversation we had on this podcast was: Is our window closed? And if it's not, how much longer do we have? So, I definitely think we've been downgraded from due to cap issues and due to passiveness in decision making. I think we've been downgraded from borderline contenders to okay, we're just in the mix now. We're just in the playoff mix. So, with that, with that thought. I guess Hextall maybe is the right person for the job because he is keeping our window cracked. But also, I think his main goal is to rebuild our prospect pool so that we don't have absolute dumpster fire years after Crosby or Malkin retire. Yes. Yeah. So maybe maybe he is is the right man for the job. It, it, like I say, I think it's I think it's too early. I still give his offseason a poor grade because I think there were names out there, especially in net, which he didn't pursue, and he, he really needed to. However, looking at the overall roster and what options we had, he didn't do terribly uh, if, if the goal is to merely make the playoffs. This is a playoff team on paper. Maybe it's not a slam dunk that they get there, but it should make it should make the dance. And at this point in Crosby's career, in Malkin's career, I think that's all you can really ask for. Give them a puncher's chance, and if they can make a run, make a run. So it, it's hard for me to trash on Hextall. I'm really frustrated with the McCann trade. I'm really frustrated with the goaltending situation. However, He's looking at the larger picture. Can you re-sign McCann next year? Probably not when you're dealing with, you know, re-signing others. You know, can you go afford a $6 million goaltender if you are do these other guys' raises? Probably not. So I, I like the idea of, of being a little bit more aggressive than he has been, but it is, it is hard to completely dump on the guy when he's had so many external constraints, like, thrown on him. And because I have to start tempering expectations as a fan. I, that's a hard thing to say because you want to win the cup every year, this organization especially. However, they're just not in the top six or seven teams anymore. They're just not. And the sooner we realize that, I think the better off we'll be and the more we'll be able to enjoy the last few years of their careers. With that said, Hexall 
definitely made issues in Philadelphia and got under the skin of a lot of fans for playing it too safe all the time. And frankly, his rebuild really didn't go anywhere. Uh, you know, they didn't get any top-tier prospects outside of Gosses Bear and Hart and Provorov. And, you know, 1.5 of the three are, are still with it. Ghost is a, a salary cap dump. You know, Hart had a terrible season last year, even though he just got rewarded with a huge contract. And Provorov has developed to where he should be. But he's not... Yeah, he's not a top 15 defenseman like they, they thought he'd be. Their organization has a way of messing up prospects and young players. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure how that's going to go. I mean, they got, just to side note here, they got a lot worse this offseason, which is good for us. I'm not so, I'm not so sure. I, I believe so. I mean, they picked up two of the worst players in the league, in my opinion. And Ristolainen and? Their goal, the goaltender. Um, What's his name? From the Sharks. Oh, you're talking about uh, Jones, Martin Jones. Yeah, that's their backup now. I mean, and if and if, I mean Jones was Jones was a replacement for Elliott, and yeah, it was stupid and laugh inducing. Yes, but it's but not if it's not an upgrade or a downgrade. Carter Hart has another struggling season. Yeah. What are they gonna do? Parade that Jones has not, a resurgence. To not that I care. Version. I hope they're horrible. Yeah. But. I don't know what they were thinking. Ristolainen is the one that really is a head scratcher to me. I mean, at least with Jones, they could say he had experience and could mentor him, I guess. But with Ristolainen, I, I don't know. He's just bad. He shouldn't be in the NHL. So I don't get that. And the fact that they gave up assets in a Did trade. Get another really bad defenseman too. They picked up uh, Keith Yandel, I think, on a short-term deal. Uh, he was almost healthy scratch at the beginning of this year. He's played a million games in a row, but he's just fallen off a cliff defensively. Yeah, I just I don't understand their moves this offseason. And in a way, like I'd rather play it safe and not really pick up anyone than go out and did what they did. But they should they should. On paper, they're a better team. Are, they, are they just we, gave up a lot to do very little. Are we going to blame everything that's happening to them now, though, on Hextall? I don't think that's fair either. No, I, I think a lot of this is just the natural life cycle of a Stanley Cup winning team. And you saw this happen to the Kings. You saw it happen to the Blackhawks. And now it's happening to us. We thought it was already happening back in 2015. And we were lucky enough to have one cup, you know, really revitalize yeah. the whole squad with Wilkesboro guys and trades. Well, and and that's that's what makes JR so interesting. And it's because he created those teams and obviously he's in the Hall of Fame and he deserves to be there because of what he did did for us. But then in literally a year later, he just completely blew it all up. And I know some of it was cap issues, but we found money to sign other people. No, he, he he went off the rails and got yeah historically aggressive. I mean, since since the cap has been instituted, I don't think any GM has been that aggressive in trading away players. And then to do that on a team that was, you know, less than two years removed from a champ from re, uh, you know repeating a cup championship, very strange. And it definitely began the end for us. I think. Yeah. Uh, and in, and in 
10 years, we'll be looking at Rutherford as, as an all-time great builder, probably Hall of Famer. Uh, but for now, it kind of stinks. And hindsight is definitely 2020 on this. So I, I know that I know that ownership wanted to go in a safer direction. To me, it makes sense. I think that Rutherford was nixed because he tried to move Latang. And nobody's nobody in in the sports media is gonna change my mind on that. Well, it's it's funny because nobody really knows the reason why he up and left the team, quit on the team, retired, whatever we're calling it. But you know, I I find it funny that Pittsburgh media lifted him up all year long. I feel like he was just constantly doing interviews with Pittsburgh media. And it rubbed me the wrong way because if you wanted to be involved with the team enough to do interviews, like why did you get up and leave? And I mean, that's what makes me think that it was not really his decision, even though it was made to be it was his absolutely, decision. It was absolutely an ownership decision. Yeah. It yeah. was. And I, you know, I can't, I can't point to any proof on that. So, you know, I, I just hope that one day we, we get an answer. Cause I, I'm very curious about what happened with that. I, I feel like it was a totally, a total difference in mindset between the way that Lemuel and Burkle wanted to take the team and the way that Rutherford did. And, well, and like less than a month later, he was saying how he wants a new job. And you notice nobody's given it no, to him. No, it's given it to him because he's crazy. I think he's like a little dementia-y. I'm not sure about that. But he just, for me, I think he's like too old. He's too old to work, I think. I mean, I think he's certainly competent, but you need to balance him out with... You need is to... he competent? Look what he did with our team in No, I, last... I, I think he is, but I think he's just, he thinks it's... Uh, be a GM mode on, on EA NHL. He just is, is willing to pull the but trigger every if, week. If he's to the point in his career where he can't make good, sound decisions, then... I think you just need to balance him out with somebody, whether it's a president of hockey ops or an assistant GM, balance him out with somebody who's going to be the yang to his yin. You're going to need somebody who's like a hex doll to balance I, him out. I think the other reason that you know, they may have parted ways with him or he may have parted ways with us, whatever, is maybe a Sullivan issue. I think he was about ready to give up on Sullivan. And the reason I think that is because Sullivan's coaching style changed a lot once Rutherford left. I feel like a lot of the decisions that we saw on the ice weren't actually Sullivan's decisions. I I think a lot of it was coming from him. I think Sullivan was definitely a better coach uh, towards the latter portion of this year. Yeah. Once he seemed to have free reign. This is what I mean. I, I think a lot of Sullivan's decision-making was actually JR's. I mean, but I that's just an observation, a speculation on my part and yours. We can only kind of guess. Well, yeah. But that's what we're doing this whole time. But, um, you know, I don't think we'll ever get the straight answer as to what really went down with that. I hope we do, but I think you might be right that it'll just kind of go away. Unless a player really drops the ball on that and <laughs> and lets us in. A retired player is most likely. So maybe four or five years down the line, you know, right. they'll, let it, they'll let it slip. 
Well, getting back to this era, <laughs> what what do we think? Do we think Burke has a lot of say with with trades? Or, think, or do we think this is like the Hextall show and we're not really sure what, what Burke's doing? I think I think Hextall bounces ideas off of Burke and Burke is more there as a sounding board. And when they were kind of, when Burke was explaining um, what his role was going to be, that was essentially what he was to Lemieux when he was thinking about the different GM candidates. And he said, that's why I want to be here. I want to be a sounding board for ideas, right? And I like that. I don't know if he's always going to have the best responses, but he's a very transparent, thoughtful guy. People give him a lot of a lot of uh, slack for you know the truculence, and his teams weren't overly successful in Toronto or Calgary, obviously. However, um, he does seem to know the game. He lives and breathes it. So if you give him an opinion, he'll have another opinion to give back to you. I think that's useful to have in a, in a uh, management room, and when you're talking about, you know, which players need to stay, which players need to go, you know, what direction do we need to head? Uh, he's he's a decent hockey mind. I think people do begrudge him because he he looks like kind of this old farm boy with a with a rugged, you know, tough guy hockey mentality. But well, it's it's almost like he was brought on to do the role of a consultant. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's interesting that we brought him all the way here from Toronto and he was willing to come all the way here from Toronto to do something like that. Yeah. But I think the man wants a Stanley Cup. But, I think and, that's why he did it. But he's also really fun to listen to in interviews. And I agree. You I saw agree after those signings, Hextall goes up there and he's got a total poker face, gave no information. The answers he did give were kind of uninspired and, I don't know, made me feel like even more disheartened. And then Burke comes out a couple of days later and he's like, Brock McGinn's going to be the best third liner we've ever had. Like, he's hyping things up. I like that sort of passion and, and hard on your sleeve. Like, if you ask Brian Burke a question, nine times out of ten, he's going to give you the answer. And that tenth time, he's going to give you a funny response. So it, it at least fills that void for me that has gone since Rutherford has left, who would give interviews every two days. Now we got you know somebody who else else who's a media personality to give us some some scoops and some feedback uh, as fans. Yeah, I I think that that's why they made them kind of a duo to kind of balance Hextall out a little bit. But I, I it's all just very interesting, and I guess it you know like you said it's too early to tell. We'll we'll see how it all plays out. I do want to mention one last thing about the duo that I have been impressed with is their use of analytics, or at least their apparent use of analytics. Because they did lose a big name uh, in their analytics department. They only have two there, and one is new. Uh, so a smaller analytics department uh, at the front office. However, they didn't make any bad signings on that front. Uh, Heinen, I guess, would be the closest. But you know, he, he actually was pretty good back in Boston, so I think they're betting on him rebounding uh, defensively and offensively. So... To me, and the way they're filling out the Wilkes-Barre roster, too, uh, with some of those pickups, it looks like to me that they're taking analytics seriously, which I'm not sure that Rutherford's crew ever did. Oh, up I in, don't... Up until the very end. It, it almost seemed like they didn't even look at them. Yeah. But they just, like... I feel like Rutherford was always after 
a nice guy, a good guy. Like, he, he didn't... Like, Jack Johnson is just obviously the most glaring example of this. He, he didn't look at anything when it came to Jack Johnson. He signed him because he was a nice person. Yep. And so, you saw how that works out. Yeah, and, it know, was horrible. And now we, you know, are responsible for him for however many years is left on his buyout. You know, it's kind of weird that Cody Cece was the other example of him not paying attention to analytics and wanting a big, tough defenseman that could uh, skate a bit. And it actually did work it out. It did work out. So It does sometimes <laughs> work out. It, I mean, obviously, sometimes you get lucky. But, yeah, I don't think that that crew really cared about the numbers as much as the new crew. So I do think that is definitely a step up. You're right about and, that. And Hextall is basically throwing out Simone's last season and looking at his analytics and looking at Rodriguez's analytics and saying, yes, on the ice they can frustrate you. They're not great finishers. However, as versatile third and fourth liners, they're great value additions. And if we're going to stay in the playoff mix, value additions with good analytics, those are the sorts of players you got to go after. It's so, not flashy, but... Talking about analytics here, that's a great time to talk about Zach Aston Reese. Yeah. So, obviously, he signed a one-year deal, uh, $1.725 million. So, I'm a little disappointed in this. Obviously, the money's good, but I'm really upset that it's only one year. And I know we had to, you know, do probably a one-year deal to keep the money low, and we didn't have the cap to go much higher. But any higher, <laughs> I, I would have preferred us, you know, trade Pedersen and and give Czar a little bit longer. I, I think that was always their plan, and I, I just frankly, I don't think also that... today's his 27th birthday, so happy birthday, Czar, <laughs> which is crazy to me because you know, when you sign as an overager coming out of college, you can be an RFA until you're 27, he's going to be almost 28 when he finally hits UFA. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I think they always wanted to give get a couple of his UFA years um under contract at maybe like 25 or something like that. But I guess it's but something we could sign like an extension or something during the year. If they can dump Pedersen. And here's right. the other thing with Zar. Right. Zar became a decent scorer at college, right? He has not really shown that whatsoever at the NHL level. No. He needs to take more shots. And I think because this is now a contract year, he needs to go out there and hit the twine maybe a few more times. So maybe this will get him back in the shooting mode, get his scoring touch reactivated somehow. Um, because he's capable of it. He certainly is. But he needs to fire the puck. Yeah, so Zar can definitely get paid if he can show some offense, I think, especially with his defensive game. So that'll be something to keep keep our eyes on for this coming season. And that, that kind of leads into something else I wanted to talk about, and it's a line prediction. So do we think Zar is going to stick with Teddy Bluger this year? Do you think that they're a good... I do. Yeah, I, think I that, agree. I think they lost a piece of that line. I think McGinn's the obvious fill-in. So I think line three is the most apparent. Well, and will that remain line three? That's, that's the weird part. Like, it will be line three for the start. Mm-hmm. But will it eventually be line four, do you think? I, I guess it depends on what Carter's role is going to be when Malkin comes back and whether or not we have a long-term injury coming out of that. Right, that's true. That, um, it'll Obviously, it all depends on if we get injured chronically like we always do. So I, I think it's I think it's good if Carter comes back rejuvenated the same way he ended that season, 
we should be fine. We're definitely, in my mind, we're not going to compete for the division. We could definitely be in the mix to not make the playoffs, which is a little concerning. Uh, I had the lines the exact same way you had them. Uh, Gensel, Crosby, Rust, uh, Zucker, Carter, Kapanen, Zar, Bluger, McGinn, Rodriguez, Zahorna, and Heinen. Um, and then you'll have that, Simone as that 13th. Yeah, and then who is the 14th? Because that's, I guess... That's going to be a camp. I, I think O'Connor takes it. And uh, I, that's just I a mean, gut feeling. I think, honestly, too, any of those guys, like Poulin and what's the other one? Legare. Yeah. Uh, ha- there's, I had eight. They, they could come out of camp flying and could make the team, which so, will throw a wrench in all of this. So, yeah, I mean, Z- counting Zahorna... You have nine forwards that are going to be competing for three spots because the first 11 are pretty much set with Rodriguez being your 11th and Heinen being your 10th. So I have Zahorna, Simone, Poulin, Legare, Lafferty, Hollander, Angelo, O'Connor, and Bellarive. And then you um, you also have Bjorkfest, who I, I don't think will be ready, but he's going to be in the mix too. So there's lots of names there. So... It should be a fun camp. We really haven't had it that open. And I have a similar situation on the D side. Um, I, I do think Simone will make the team. They didn't just sign him just to send him down. But if someone else has proved themselves better, he's on a two-way, send him down. Right. And another interesting thing to note is when Malkin does come back, I, I don't necessarily think he'll slot in with Zucker and Kapanen. But I think they may try to keep Zucker and Kapanen together if they're used to playing with Carter. So that's going to leave some holes. Well, I, I think the biggest thing, and this, people have talked about this ad nauseum, but Zucker and Malkin just don't fit. Personally, for me, if if I'm the coach and, and Malkin comes back, I put Genselin Rust on his wing and I try you know, Zucker and Kapanen with Crosby or someone else with Crosby. I think I think just switching Gensel and Zucker might be enough. Because I, Gensel I, and Malkin that's were true. great. Yeah, you don't always, like, I always forget that Gensel and Russ can be split up. But, yeah, I, I think that putting one of, one one or two of Gensel and Rust on Malkin's line, especially when he's coming back from a, a long injury, mm-hmm could be a really great way to get him jump-started and ready for the playoffs, if, if we make the playoffs. And I think Zucker can play with Crosby. I mean, that's why we that's got him initially. That's one thing we've never really seen. Yeah. And I don't understand. I, I would really love to see it. I think it would be good for Zucker. I I think I just I think that they need to try that. Yeah. Otherwise, the whole Zucker move doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It, it was all, it was always an overpay, but we could still rehab him into a 25 goal scorer yeah. alongside Crosby and yeah. Gensel in a very, very small sample size looked wonderful next to Malkin with possession. So, well, I think we, we get into that mindset that everyone's in it's that Gensel can only play well with Crosby. And that's just simply not true. Yeah. I mean, he's proved it and he looked so, so great with Malkin. So it, it would be kind of fun to see. So for the division. Oh, well, let's do the defense first. Um, okay. so, so, yeah, we have uh, Dumoulin and Latang, uh, Marino and Matheson, Patterson and Friedman. So you have um, a natural lefty and a natural right D for each. Uh, so actually losing CC didn't hurt. I think Ruedel might 
be on the third pair. Over Patterson? Or, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think they're going to have to showcase Patterson and try to get rid of him. That's true. Right. I, I think that Ruedel deserves a spot. Oh, he definitely he, does. He's been, I've heard, you know, people talk about him and how he's just always completely ready to play, super professional, you know, has to be ready at any point to step on the ice. And that is not, that's the, for me, that's the hardest job on the team. It's like having to sit every single night, but be 100% ready to play. And, and last year was definitely his best and as a professional. he does it. He does it so well. And he, like I said, he's so professional and he never, I feel like he never gets upset about it. Like well, he knows that's his role and he's really, really good at he it. He got stuck with some interesting uh, pairing fellows, uh, probably switched around more than anybody being the seventh yeah. day. Yeah. And he put up some of the best uh, high danger shot suppressions of all of the D. Uh, he just, it's weird too, because he, doesn't strike you as somebody who is physically imposing. He doesn't skate particularly amazing. He's not the quickest guy. Uh, He's consistent. He he gets his sticks in lanes, yeah. and he doesn't make turnovers. He does everything good. You know, we don't need him to be fantastic, amazing at things. He just does everything good. Yeah, I mean, if you put him in, like, a, a top pair and roll, he's obviously going to get exposed, but he can even survive as, like, a number 4D yeah. if you're hurting. And especially he looks, if he's, he looks totally especially in place. if he's, you know, paired with someone who's steady. Yeah. Like I, I, I wouldn't want to pair him with someone like Jack Johnson, but like if he's paired with someone that's good, he's going to be completely fine. You know, he's always that like even keel defenseman. And I think he deserves a shot. I hope well, that he comes to camp really ready so that we could well, the downside, hopefully put him on the, the team. The downside of keeping Pedersen uh, or I guess not being able to unload Pedersen is that we have uh, P.O. Joseph and Chad Ruedel on the left side both looking to get in, and neither will. So, I mean, realistically, you're you're behind Dumoulin and Marino Pedersen. They're all getting paid. You're not. What are you going to do? Right. So. Well, I mean, there's going to be injuries. There always are. I think there, those guys will get chances, but. I think you just hope that Pedersen plays well the first month or two and you're able to dump them. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, honestly, come – you know, as the trade deadline inches closer, there's teams that are going to be looking for defensemen. I think that the deal happens much quicker than that, but worse comes to worse, I think that someone will want him. There's always people who need defensemen, especially if you have a team who, like us in 2017, who get in like a really bad injury situation with their D. Why wouldn't you take Patterson? And it's interesting because we don't really know what's going to happen with. Taxi squads and how they're actually going to play a role. You know, a month ago we didn't really think they were going to play any role. Now, who knows? Yeah, any anything can happen again. I, the season might change a little bit from what we're all thinking it's going to be. But depending, so, so there's one roster spot. Assuming you go with a 23-man roster, so you you would end up with one roster spot for Joseph, Ruedel, Ricola, Lee, Fadun, and Friedman. So Friedman's probably going to get the spot because he's a righty. And Lee and Fadun are obviously, or not obviously, but they most likely will start in Wilkes. So you got Joseph, Ruedel, and Ricola, who are all capable NHL defensemen who are going to be sitting pine or on the taxi squad. And that's just the way it is. It's They're going to get you know, the short end of the stick. So with those lines 
uh, as we said, and then, you know, like Ruedel and Pio Joseph and Simone, you know, as the extras. Do you think that the Pens make the playoffs this season? I do, and I think they make it as the four seed. Um, I think we're going to be second. Really? Yeah. Okay, so what's what's your ranking? You go you go and give yours real quick. So I guess I think that the Islanders are going to be top of the division, but I don't think it's going to be by much. Uh, and then I think us, Washington, and the Rangers. I think CBJ is going to miss. I think the Flyers are going to miss. I'm unsure about Carolina, but their offseason was so wacky that I I don't know. They're always such a wild card. They, they have so much heart that they could easily will themselves to, like, a number one spot. But I, I don't know. They, they got significantly worse, I think. So I, I don't think that they'll make the playoffs. And then Jersey, obviously they got better, but I think they're still too young. I think they're going to miss the playoffs. Interesting. Uh, I actually think the Islanders will take the division. I think Trotz is too good of a coach. They have uh, consistency. Yeah, I've gone I agree. back. I've gone back and forth on that. Uh, I think Carolina will get second. I think they have had a bunch of changes, not all of them good. Uh, however, the on ice product shouldn't be too terrible. The one caveat being that Tony D'Angelo just derails the <laughs> whole project. Uh, however, Brendan Moore is an amazing coach. He should keep them on track. Uh, I have Philly third. I think that their rise to playoff status will be bolstered by Ellis and their defense getting a little older, even if they're not perfect. Uh, if Hart just plays as a replacement-level goalie, he doesn't need to play great. They should be okay. And then I have Pittsburgh and NYR. Uh, the Rangers fighting out for the last playoff spot. Uh, I have Washington well out in sixth. Um, and I do think the Rangers are going to be very close, too. I I think that they got better. They're a, a little bit older, but I still think they're a little too young. If they didn't begin the season with that crazy slide because of D'Angelo and and the injuries and then Panarin leaving. They, they made a run for the playoffs. They tried, year. even yeah. though they were in a massive hole. So yeah. it'll, it'll be definitely interesting. I think goaltending, too, has a little piece of that. I mean... Shostorkin and Gorgiev is a decent duo. They just were inexperienced. Right, and you, are they going to have, like, the sophomore slump? Mm. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the wild card for me. Yeah, I mean, Shostorkin was definitely paid... Uh, a lot. A decent amount there. So yeah. uh, he, he should be worth it, but you know, we saw Carter Hart regress. Shesterkin could do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so I have the Pittsburgh just edging out the Rangers for that last spot. And of course we get the Islanders yet again in the first round in my scenario. So I hope that I am wrong. Um, but yeah, I finish out with Washington. Uh, so the Rangers, the Capitals, the Devils, and the Blue Jackets not making the playoffs. The Blue Jackets should be really bad. I, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the playoffs. I think you're right on that. I'm not as scared of the Metro as I've been in years past. Um, there's a lot of young teams and there's a lot of old teams. And I think in our case, we're not super old. Like, I think we're still competitive. Uh, I think Washington is, is way past their prime. And 
then you have all these young wild card teams like the Devils and the Devils are going to be a tough team to play, but they're going to have a slot at some I point. I agree. I agree with that completely. Yeah, they're just going to they're going to dry up on scoring. Their goaltending is going to fall f- flat, and that's going to be enough to push them out for yeah. a 10-15 game slide. Uh, the Caps, I agree. They're, they're the oldest team in the league, uh, alongside the Islanders, oddly enough. And they just play. They play differently. They, I mean, it's funny because you know they have that shared coach, but the the team that the Islanders are today is, in my opinion, so much better than the the, the team that the Capitals are today. Yeah, the Capitals had that one run, and where obviously they were a decent two way team. The Islanders don't have a player like Ovechkin. But they have so much else, and Washington just doesn't have it. And I, I frankly, you know, this is going to sound off as or sound like a salty Pens fan, but Ovechkin is a terrible defensive player. He always has been. It's only going to get worse too. Even strength, he can't produce the offense like he used to. He might even challenge for Gretzky's goal record. But when you're giving a guy twenty-three to twenty-five minutes a night as a forward, and they can only score on the power Most play. Most of those goals, I think, will be power play goals. Like, that's a liability. Yeah. So, and, and he's not the only one. Backs from slowing down. Um, their defense looks really old. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I see holes in that team. Is and, and their goaltending still on their team? Did they get rid of Kuznetsov? Uh, no. And that's another issue because now you have, you know, who should be – you know, a top center in a league who's causing all these issues and they need to trade him, but nobody wants him. Uh, you had to sit him out and suspend them. And you also just lost your starting goaltender last year. Everybody's saying, oh, Sam Sanov, Sam Sanov. Yeah, he's a great prospect. You signed him as if he's a great prospect. But Vanacek took the pipes last year and he's gone. Seattle took him. Isn't he back? Ah, you're right. Seattle traded him back. Yeah. Okay, so that was. That's smart. That's yeah, smart. I gotta give props there. I forgot that they they did the. Uh, I feel like it wasn't ele- it wasn't legal, but whatever. He's back, so I I don't think goaltending will be their issue. I just think they don't have the pieces, and their pieces are getting older. And it, it's definitely of these teams, they seem the most likely to me to fall off. I agree with that. Uh, substantially so. I think the Penguins will also fall off. I just don't think it will be as steep a drop. They will still get a great defensive performance, and they will still get a a substantial offensive well, even strength. Performance. And not to do the Crosby versus Ovechkin thing that's been outdone, but Crosby is aging better. Oh my god, he's yeah. more consistent than he's ever been, and. He's always going to put up points and like goals and assists, and his last th- two three seasons. Have- he's a defensive monster. Yeah. So I think if you just put the two of them head to head, I mean, it's not even a it, competition anymore. It's funny. I saw. I think it was from Jay Fresh Hockey. Uh, his model actually broke in 2019-20 you know, on Crosby's defensive metrics because he was so often stuck out there with Jack Johnson. So the model actually broke and was unable to calculate proper numbers because he was stuck out there with an anchor for like 50% of his playing time. Right. So, you know, but discounting that weird anomaly, um, you know, 18, 19, and 20, 21, he has put up elite, elite two-way. Well, and 
defensive numbers against also, really tough competition. It's also like a leadership thing for me. I mean, Sid yeah. is one of the best leaders, even if he's a little quiet. He's one of the best leaders in the league. And Ovechkin is not a good leader. We saw it in the playoffs last year. He is about himself. Yeah, he screamed at his goalie. So, yeah. I mean, and it wasn't his goalie's fault. And so I think that's going to also play into both teams as they age and produce less on the ice. I think that Sid's leadership will take him much further than Ovechkin. Yeah, I, I there's just a lot of question marks on that team. The Penguins, for all the issues that they do have, the question marks about Malkin and mainly the question marks about Jared Smith, the roster as it's constructed, the results should be pretty stable. Even if a couple of players have down years and a couple of players have up which, years, which we know where why, they're going to end up. Even though, yes, the window is closing, I think that if this team gets to the playoffs, which I think they will, we have a chance. Yeah. And let's just hope that Crosby doesn't get hurt while Mark Malkin's out, and because obviously that would be disastrous. But as long as things stay relatively okay, I, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm hoping that one of these young forwards could make the team and really give us some youth. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen right away. I think it'll probably happen towards the end of the season once they've gotten their stripes Well, and I milks. mean, look look at Jake Gensel. Yeah. He came in midseason and won a Stanley Cup and was, you know, one of the best rookies of all time in the playoff run. So you, anything can happen. And that's why, you know, the good thing about the Penguins and our current stars is you can't ever give up on them. No, they're still both great players. Right. And and they will always put it all out there, I think, especially as they get older because they desperately want it one more time. Yeah. Now, I, I, have, I have faith they're going to stay competitive, but I really am taking a more Hextallish approach in you know, we're going to let this ride out and just enjoy it because we only have so many more games of seeing these, you know, generational players play. And we've been lucky in in many respects. So, you know, obviously root for them. Hope they make the right moves from here on out. But, you know, just ride with it. You know, let's let's live it up. Like, they can still they can still do some damage, regular season or playoffs. So just... Just and enjoy it as a fan. Honestly, yeah, win or lose, enjoy Sidney Crosby every single game he plays. Yeah. Because he's special and we'll probably never see someone like him again in our lifetime. At least not in black and gold. Yeah. The odds exactly. are just so against it. I mean, if you if you get to a game live, just eat it all up because yeah. it's it's rare and like I said, we might we might not see it again for a really long time. So I think that's everything from us. And we have a couple of ideas for for upcoming podcasts like I still want to feature Jason Zucker and kind of see what he potentially could maybe bring if he gets out of his funk and then we're also going to do a pre-camp preview preview yeah so we want to go over you know who, who to look out for in camp who who could maybe make a push you know to be on the team obviously Sam Lafferty will probably be the best one to watch in camp because he's always amazing but as I roll my eyes, (laughs) I know, but I was kind of joking, but I, yeah, we're going to kind of talk about who who to look out for and and what we could potentially see, um, the outcome being when the season starts. I think there are some surprising names that could push for a spot. Yeah. It's exciting. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be cool to see some of that young talent come and, come up. And we will get out to Cranberry and get to see them at least once. I promise you that it will be fun. We enjoy it. So. Yeah, as long as COVID doesn't shut us down, we'll see. Ugh. Okay. But <laughs> we'll try. So as always, you can uh, catch us on Twitter at Pair at the Point or at the FHN, and the FHN.net is where our podcast lives. Uh, they also have many other podcasts, articles, so check them out. Lots of other teams. So if you're into another team, if you have, if you're like secretly a New Jersey Devils fan, you can probably see articles about them. My or, condolences. Yeah, but they have, um, you know, they kind of feature lots of teams around the league, lots of activity around the league. So check them out. And uh, we will be back next week. And it's been fun. Bye. Bye.